Hi, my name's Madalena Kay, and I'm the host of the podcast AI and You, produced by Europod in partnership with Podium Podcast, Agence France Press, and Cora Media. In AI and You, we deal with the history of AI and how it is having an impact on our lives. From social relationships to employment, from climate change to wars and security. Is AI changing our world for the better or the worse? Come and check it out for yourself. Subscribe to AI and You wherever you listen to podcasts. I was on the front line extinguishing the fire together with my father, together with my family, because I understood that with that plant, a part of us was going up in smoke, years of work, of sacrifices. And that's when you find a strength inside yourself you didn't even know you had. As Europe is seeing intense and unprecedented heat waves with temperatures spiking above 40 degrees, huge wildfires are raging across several countries in the region. Thousands of hectares of land were destroyed and people had been evacuated from towns threatened by flames. In some areas, droughts are making and hard to control the fires. Italy is one of the most affected countries, together with Spain, Portugal and France. The number of wildfires recorded so far in 2022 is already three times higher than average. Italy registers one fire every two days according to Col Diretti, the National Confederation of Farmers. This isn't a new phenomenon though. The Mediterranean area always had to do with wildfire, especially during summertime. What has changed is the amount, the scale and the intensity. Huge fires are now becoming more frequent and they last longer. Why is that? The answer has very much to do with global warming, but this is not the only reason. It is also linked with the relationship between human beings and rural areas. Today on Your Talks Back, the relationship between wildfires and depopulation. 2015. She wouldn't define herself a countryside girl. She only takes care of administration and sales. But she was born and raised surrounded by olive trees and olive presses. 
It is beautiful to work for this company because it all stems from a passion. I was born and raised here. I grew up in this environment. My father always took me to the countryside. We always also had our own oil mill and therefore I've always seen the transformation of olives into oil. So it's always fascinated me. It takes a lot of passion and a lot of commitment, a lot of sacrifices, because it is also very difficult, particularly on an island. On the 24th of July 2021, Kuljeris area was hit by an unprecedented wildfire, which destroyed around 20,000 hectares of land, especially olive trees, which are the main source of income for most of the population of the town. Some of them were millenary trees. Thousands of wild and domestic animals have perished. More than 1,000 people were evacuated from the town. Laura's family company was equally hit by the wildfire. The flames arrived in the evening from a village nearby. This is her account of that night. So on the evening of the fire, I was working in our shop. I was chatting as usual with clients, selling the products, talking to tourists, making small talk. However, at a certain point, we started to see the sky getting darker and darker and lots of smoke. The air became thick and unbreathable. We already knew that in the country next door there was a fire. At first we didn't think it would come close to us. It just seemed so far away. But then, as the hour passed, around 7 p.m., we understood that the fire had overtaken the village near us and had reached the territory of Cuglieri. We saw that the smoke was actually reaching us. The wind was propitious. There were all the right conditions for the fire to arrive, and so we immediately closed the shop. And we immediately went to the plant, which was in another area. My father just told me, take the drench and wet the ground. He told me, as far as the pump goes, you pour the water, just pour and pour. You pour water on the ground, you just do that. So we got everything wet before the fire arrived. And somehow, time went by, and we entered the night. It got dark, and at that moment, it was 9 p.m. We didn't want to leave. And so it happened that I was the first one to notice the flames. While Laura's parents were continuing to wet the ground around their plant as to impede the fire attacking the building, Laura decided to do a workaround to check if everything was all right. Then, all of a sudden, she saw it, the fire, or as she describes it, a wall of flames. And at that point I was standing in front of this very high wall of flames. I felt the heat. My face was... I really started to feel an abnormal heat. And I saw this purple and red wall of flames. It didn't even have a specific color, actually. And I realized it was right behind us. So I immediately ran. I started screaming, I called my family and we went to the inner part of the plant and focused. We focused all our energy, all our means, until of course the fire surrounded us. I remember in the background the sound of sirens because we had a smoke alarm in the facility in the plant. Of course the alarm started going off like crazy all night long, so I remember this noise. 
I was on the front line extinguishing the fire, together with my father, together with my family. Because I understood that, with that plant, a part of us was going up in smoke. Years of work, of sacrifices. And that's when you find a strength inside yourself you didn't even know you had. Fortunately, we succeeded in our attempt. We actually managed to delimit the perimeter of the mill because our mill is located inside an olive grove. The day after the fire, Cugliari's population started to count the damages. How many trees, farms, animals, houses were destroyed by the flames? So I am lucky today to be able to tell the story, to be here, also to testify that yes, we had damage. The damage was a lot, but it was not everything. So in short, we got back on our feet right away, but we lost about 20-30% of our average annual production. But beside the damage suffered by her family business, Laura talks about the loss of an entire community, dozens of families who made a living out of olive growing. An entire environment, she says, disappeared. Of course I speak mainly about the olive trees because that is what I live off. And especially because I believe it is the biggest damage. Because a plant takes 15 to 20 years to become productive again. So our damage is not only at present, but will have repercussions for another 20 years or so. So of course it is a tremendous and very serious thing. So we obviously need financial support from those in power. Economic support is not the only thing Laura asks for. She hopes for institutions to seriously work on prevention measures. The only thing is, I hope that there will be serious prevention. I mean, today, one year after the terrible fire, nothing has changed. Nothing has been done. This is to say, no prevention plan has been undertaken. And I can't take it out on our municipality of 2,000 souls. Here we are really talking about a system that must all work together, from the forestry department to the region to the municipality. There are so many means, so many systems, so many institutions that have to work together. But unfortunately, this is not happening. The hoped for and promised results are not being achieved. The wildfire that hit Cugliari in July 2021 was unexpected in power and scale. Laura says that fire is an intrinsic risk for those who work in agriculture. You just hope it doesn't happen, she says, or that it does the least damage as possible. But you cannot ignore that it can happen. For this reason, her family has always adopted fire prevention measures. For example, they always keep all the olive grooves irrigated and the soil perfectly cleaned. But the fire of that night was different from what she and other Cogliari citizens were used to. The fire was truly devastating. I believe it was one of the worst, perhaps in recent years, in recent times in Italy. I mean, really, it was tremendous. And the crazy thing is that only the sea stopped it. That is to say, nobody was able to stop this fire. It reached the sea in a town called Tresnuragues, in the marina of Porto Alabe, and the fire stopped there. No one was able to extinguish the fire. We'll be right back. To better understand the reasons behind the rise of such powerful and destructive wildfires in Europe, we brought in Davide Mancini, who is a freelance journalist based in Brussels. His focus is on environmental change, particularly in the southern part of Europe. 
Davide recently worked on an investigation on wildfire and the link with demographic trends in the Mediterranean area. Crucially, Davide also visited Cogliari, the town hit by the wildfire Laura Cocco just spoke about. So this is me speaking to Davide Mancini. Davide, thanks a lot for being here with us today, first of all. Hello, hi. We have invited you here to talk about wildfires in Europe. You have investigated this topic quite a lot. First of all, when we talk about wildfires in Europe, is this a new phenomena or not? It's a good starting point because like wildfires, it's not something new. It's not necessarily something negative if we think about the ecosystem. What is coming up as a problem for the ecosystem and for society is the frequency and the, the spreadness of for wildfires as like and the, the power of these wildfires so in the last week we have seen lots of different wildfires taking places that are considered mega fire because they they are of a size that is not uh, as it used to be this is something relatively new uh, as a phenomenon in the last decades that uh, has been changed before mediterranean area always had to do with wildfires but it, it was with uh, a smaller amount and uh, and a smaller uh, scale This interview comes after a really personal account of what it means to be impacted by wildfire. So it brings destruction, it changes the lives of people. Now, I guess that you have dealt with that as well to a certain extent. I mean, you are not only a scientific journalist, you also deal with stories with people who tell you what's happening, what happened and how this has affected their lives. I was just wondering if we couldn't start from here, maybe just for a second and If you could tell me as a journalist what you have encountered from a human perspective. I think it's interesting because we have been mostly, uh, on my investigation, I've been mostly on a rural area that are subjected to the population trends. And so most of the older people, they are they have been familiar with wildfires. And the stories was all the time pretty much the same. We always had wildfires, but we have never seen wildfire of this scale. And so something, it has been changing. And also we have this memory of older people that remember how they deal with wildfire. But uh, I think what has been changing, it's, it's the relationship with the forest and with the bushes in a depopulated area that is uh, very much linked to wildfire together with climate change. And so if we take into account that forests actually on a European scale are expanding, they are not reducing. And so this is an interesting data because we see that there is more wildfires, but there are also uh, like more forests growing. And so in, in most of the cases in rural areas, there is an abandonment of land. And so there is automatically a regrowing of a vegetation that is expanding out of the, what were the, let's say, the, the border of the forest 20, 30 years ago. And this become biomass that it can easily burn in case that there is a heat wave. And so it is very much linked with global warming in, on a bigger scale, but also with very much with the relationship that uh, human beings and the rural society has with uh, forests in general. Now, if we zoom in a bit on not the last decades, you mentioned already that wildfires have always been there. And what has been going on over the past five years or so in Europe? And where is it happening? There was a turning point in Portugal a few years ago. It was a big fire. There was like several victims, like 50, 60 victims involved. And it was of a scale that it was not seen before. And considering that Portugal already see a lot of wildfire normally, that it was alarming event. Since then, we have seen more and more mega fire, including last year, there was like the one in Avia in Greece that many of us remember. It was like 50,000 hectares, which is a scale of wildfires that you can have as many people and another involved, but it's not really possible to stop it when it gets to a certain point. The only way to avoid that it's going to happen in the future is to work on the preventive approach rather than a firefighting approach. 
Before we go on the topic, you have dealt with in your latest inquiries, which is the link between depopulation and wildfires, which is really specific, I feel, and honestly, really original as well in terms of not many have really gone deep into that subject or that relationship. I think that the concept you brought about before, which is climate change, is really important because if these things have been happening in the past, why is it correct and is it correct to link these wildfires up with climate change? It is correct, but only partially, unfortunately. Climate change is one of the causes that is exacerbate the process. I mean, we can talk about like reducing CO2 and uh, global warming, but it's already happening. And so we cannot decide that uh, from one year to another, there is going to be less uh, global warming. What can be be done on the ground, it's like a more preventive approach. And that's something that there is room to expand in the European Union. But what we found out in our investigation that there is a lot of budget, EU budget that is not spent and is supposed to be addressed to prevention of wildfires and uh, biodiversity preservation. In our case, we focus more on what can be done on, a, let's say, state level or a continental level rather than the bigger idea of scale down in the CO2 emission, which is obvious and it's like, it's, of course, it's needed. Perfect. So let's go into your investigation. Tell us what it is about. You mentioned it's also about depopulation, right? Yes, basically, if we cross these two data, like the most depopulated area in Southern Europe, it's um, most of the time they coincide also with uh, high risk wildfires, high level of uh, wildfire risk. Basically, what we saw that in the past, there was a relation with fires that it was kind of uh, inserted in the cycle of life of the ecosystem. And so uh, rural people, they were using it and they were living much more uh, forests. So they were getting food to use it at home uh, in order to heat up their houses or they were grazing animals. So they were reducing the potentially burnable biomass that is under the, the forest and in the bushes. And so there was a kind of equilibrium for, uh, and this it happened in, through thousands of years. It's not something that it's a matter of a few decades. It's like Mediterranean area. It has been always like that. And so with the big abandonment, like what is happening now that most of the forest that belongs to private people, like about 60% of the people of the forest are uh, private owned and uh, people are living in the cities and they've been forgetting about it. This is quite complicated to preserve and to make sure that no big wildfires will happen. It's hard to force people to take care about their own uh, private land. Probably the state and European Union, they should take quite a radical approach if they want to save the forests that are still uh, existing today in the Mediterranean area, because otherwise there is a, a risk that those forests will disappear and with the frequency of wildfires that we are seeing now there will not be enough potential of regrowing even though they are expanding right now that doesn't mean that those forests will be there in a few decades from now if we continue at this path you have used some technical language there i feel like when you talked about the relationship between human beings and you know what is existing inside the forest and how human activity has helped along centuries and over the past decades i guess as well or few centuries at least, to decrease the chances that wildfires could actually, I will use the term, get traction. Could you go a bit more in detail and at the same time maybe clarify? For instance, it's not unusual in rural areas that people use fire to clear up the um, the bush that is under the forest. This is not a bad fire because even some species of plants, they need fire in order to reproduce like a pine trees, like Mediterranean pine trees. They need a certain temperature and a certain level of burn in order to the seed to crack and open and to reproduce. So 
So it's in the life cycle of nature, fire. And the people that were living in the rural areas, they were well aware of from the moment that there was this abandonment. And so also there was a stigmatization of wildfire in general. Human beings try to isolate the forest and so and not touch it anymore and this is it's maybe hyper conservatism and this it has been risky because with the arrival of higher temperature all these uh, plants and bushes that before they were not at risk of fire suddenly became like a bomb and so from one day to another during the summertime it becomes a heat wave with a strong wind and all this can burn and it's like part of forests that are not accessible anymore if you walk there because it's like so thick and so dry that it's not walkable anymore I think what you said is super interesting because you use the word which is wildfire stigmatization. And it sounds a bit like if you're saying that, and correct me if I'm wrong, of course, that part of the problem is how our societies are all the more disconnected from rural areas. It implies somehow already a critique towards our economy. Am I going too far? Yes, I think the abandonment of, of rural areas, it's a loss of opportunity that we are witnessing in the Southern Europe in general. And this was also the idea that me and my colleague had behind this investigation, is to see that those wildfires were affecting exactly the, the same area that have been already neglected economically and uh, socially and in terms of infrastructure, where there is already like a depopulation trend uh, happening. Those areas, they need support, they need support in terms of uh, social support and uh, economic uh, viability somehow. And most of them are uh, like related to agriculture and farming. And so right now they need further support. And so they, they could be the, the guardian of the forest and the ecosystem right now. I think it's the moment that the institution needs to be close to them somehow, because otherwise th there will be like a desertification, not only in terms of demographic desertification, but also in terms of uh, ecosystem desertification. You mentioned already the role of institutions and all of this. What is it right now? What are they doing wrong? What could they do better? And how likely is that to happen? Many questions in one, I fear. The decisions that are taken in Brussels by the European Commission and the budget that is allocated through the CAP, it's there. I think we can talk if it can be expanded or not, but I think one interesting finding it was like that half of that budget that was... a available for uh, forest conservation and uh, preservation and uh, avoidance of uh, wildfire risk was not used. And I think this is uh, because farmers are very much supported by the European Union is the biggest budget line. Uh, we know that, but it's like more for the production of uh, agricultural goods. And so many times it's forgotten the services is providing the forest system in itself, even though it's not providing any product specifically to be sold. So it's not uh, so visible in the economy. But the, the service that they offer is also the absorption of uh, CO2 emission, for instance, and the preservation of uh, ecosystems and animals and insects. And that all together, even though they don't, uh, how to say, add anything to, to the economy, but it's uh, what we really need in order to keep these places livable in the future somehow. Otherwise, the scenario that we are facing is like the Southern Europe will look like other parts of the world that are much more desertified and there will be problem with lack of water and fertility of the soil. And yeah, that's the risk. I feel like it's more an issue of quality of intervention rather than quantity potentially. And I was wondering if you have any figures of how much European institutions today spend to protect areas from wildfires. I've seen that every time the rhythm of phones of wildfires, normally it's like a more investment in uh, firefighting, which is different than fire prevention. 
And this, some experts, they call it firefighting trap. Basically, if you invest too much on firefighting, it means that it's fighting the wildfires when it's already happening. That with mega fire is not very useful because you can't really stop them with uh, airplanes. It's like if you see some images nowadays of the latest wildfires, you can see that it's like a huge flames, like wall of flames with many kilometers of fire lines. And in that case, the Canada, they cannot do anything. It's, uh, they need to wait until the force of the fire goes down and then they can intervene. And so instead of investing in uh, firefighting techniques and airplanes and uh, all these things that uh, actually they are going in the pockets also of bigger industry, it's better to invest in a smaller scale uh, preservation and so to engage more with the communities and to understand what can be done in order to preserve and to prevent firefighting to happen. And this, uh, there is no, uh, often there is no knowledge on a rural level about this uh, funding availability. I have the impression that uh, the European Union and the member states, they should do a better information uh, towards uh, a rural society also on how they can apply to this. Because most of the time, according to uh, European uh, auditors research, people are not aware of the fundings that they could ask for if they are owner of a piece of land that is forested. And so they could be an agent of preservation. So you focus a lot on European institutions right now, but what role do states have or regions even, I mean, uh, at the national level in protecting areas from wildfires? If we take into account the wildfire that happened in Cuglieri, in Sardinia, where uh, Laura is from, most of the forests that burn is uh, privately owned, like almost entirely. So the fire protection agents that are, are like regional, they cannot intervene, they cannot enter the private properties of people and prevent wildfires would happen because it's not a, a national park, it's not their task. And so they are out of this responsibility. And so automatically who are responsible are those people that uh, they own the land, but they, in a society that uh, it's, it's harder to ask people, okay, you have to clean up your land. And maybe we are talking about people that left this land uh, two generations ago and they're still uh, owners, but they, there is no value, economic value, so why they would invest themselves in taking care of it. Brilliant, David. Thanks a lot for these insights. That was really interesting. Thank you very much. We'll be right back. If you want to follow Davide Mancini's work as a reporter, you can follow him on Twitter at Davide Wop. That's D-A-V-I-D-E. WOP. You can read David's investigation into the relationship between wildfires and depopulation on voxeurope.eu. That's V-O-X-E-U-R-O-P.eu. The investigation was financed by a grant from journalismfund.eu. And this is it for this week's episode of Europe Talks Back. The producer of Europe Talks Back is Antoine Lereux. Sound design is by Jeremy Bouquet. Editorial background research and arrangement of interviews by Claudio Torrisi. Script writing and dubbing from Italian into English by Claudio Torrisi. Editing and mixing is by Jeremy Bouquet and Thomas Kusberg. Promotion and marketing by Katrin Scapadas. My name is Alexander Damiano Ricci. We'll be back next Thursday.